0: Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this bitterly cold day in which you've given us. Uh, God, we uh, know that as we stand here in the silence, we hear the sniffles and the coughs and um, all the the signs of of the illnesses that are going through um, just the the families. And God, I I pray that um, as we hear those and Lord, as we uh, maybe are experiencing those, that we understand that... um, You're still the healer. Uh, If it's a little tiny sniffle, or if it's a great um, infection like with what's going on with uh, with Ed, uh, all that you're still the healer. Uh, God, we ask as we um, come together today that we uh, get our minds um, uh, set on you, uh, so we can let our hearts hear what you have to say. Uh, God, let your word speak. God, give me the words to speak, let our hearts hear what it is you're saying, and we pray it's in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, so, um, man, it's a little chilly. Who likes this weather? The polar bear in the back says, he does. Tom likes it, everybody else like, no, it's too cold. All right, um, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, uh, no, no, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, Turn to um, Luke chapter 4. The plan for today is that we're going to continue on in the the series in which we're in. And um, the the case for your certainty, we're going, you know, verse by verse uh, through the book of Luke. And and as we've been going through that, we've been talking about different things, uh, um, different certainties in in which we we can see, in which we can have, in which we... um, can be assured of um, this week. As I was, uh, as I've been preparing for uh, this particular sermon, um, it's been. You know, I don't want to say it's been a tough week. It has Well, I mean, it is with everything going on. But um, God is just. I love how God is continually speaking in different ways in my life. I don't know if you guys have that experience where um, God speaks to you in, 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 a, in one way uh, one day and then the next way or another way uh, another day where you're you, you, uh, not saying he's like saying conflicting things, but just how you're hearing the words in which he's saying. Um, and when I say that, it's by when we're reading His Word, we're we're seeing that He does speak to us through His Word. And when you read the same thing over and over again, what He's revealing as you as you read that. And as I was as I was reading this week, preparing for this, I read through this text multiple times, and I thought I had it all figured out and what it is I was going to preach about, and what it is that God wanted me to say to to you all and to to myself. But um, as things progressed throughout the week, um, it, it just, w- what I wanted to, to really focus on um, just didn't make a whole lot of, uh, uh, of situational sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like situational sense, like we're going through situations in our life and what I wanted to really focus on would, wouldn't really be pertinent to um, I want to say anybody's life, but probably the majority of us in here. Um, So God kind of tweaked some things and moved some things. And then um, about, I don't know, yesterday sometime, he kind of just pulled the whole rug out from underneath and said, here's the deal, you're just going to do what I want you to do and and just roll with it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read God's word and we're going to see what he has to say and and be obedient to what what he has to say. Um, So it's going to be exciting. Who's excited? okay, there we go so um, and, and before I get into to Luke chapter four um, i i I want us to and I know we, we talked about this a little bit in the morning if you if you missed the the update of what what was going on with, with Ed, uh, see me afterwards or see somebody that, that was here that can fill you in um, but but I want us to to focus on um, a few things, but one major thing as we go through this day, uh, we, I want us to get our hearts right, but I, I want us to, to understand like what, what Paul says in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, I, I think it's 12, where he talks about that you know, we're all members of, of one body, and if one member is suffering, the whole body is suffering. So I want us to understand that, I mean, some of you may maybe sitting here like, well, I'm not even a member of this church. Okay, I, 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 I understand that. But uh, we want you to be, um, and uh, we, we want you to be a part of, of something bigger than you. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. And, but at the same time, we want, you to under, we want everybody to, under, to understand that our, our, our members, those who make up our body, when, when we have a, a hand that's not working or an elbow or something, that affects the whole entire body. So I don't say that like I want us to feel bad. I want us to be um, cognizant of, of that, that, that when, when one another is hurting or is down or is up or whatever, when, when something is affecting one, it's affecting us all. Um, so th- think about that. Keep that in mind as we go through uh, this text today. So we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter uh, 4. Uh, we're going to start in verse 14. Verse 14. And we're here, we're starting, we're picking up after um, what we talked about last week, the the temptation of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was uh, um, led, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted um, by the devil. We talked about temptations. We talked about what that looks like and and the response to those temptations, how Jesus responded um, with the Word of God, um, and and how we understand that that our response to temptations uh, should be with uh, the Word of God, and and that we know that temptations themselves are not sin. So with that, we understand that that there was a great battle that that took place, a test, per se, um, that, that, that took place. Um, now we're we're, we're seeing the, the beginning of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So he's been tested. It says in verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Uh, and before we go further, understand again, like I stressed last week, it, it said that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Well, here it says, in the power of the Spirit. So understand the ministry of Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit. He was full of the the, the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Why is that important? Anybody? That's exactly because remember um, Romans uh, Romans eight says that the same Spirit that uh, raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit, the power that's, that that um, he's talking about here, is the same power that that lives inside of or that resides inside of the believer. Now that that's not that we get all whacked out and kind of just run around and um, do our uh, what do you call them, uh, uh, Dan, our Pentecostal laps around the the, the the exterior. No, no, it means that. We are fueled, we are driven, or we're to be fueled, we're to be driven by the prompting and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that takes obedience on our part to to execute what is the Spirit of God is telling us to do and is leading us to do. And what we see here is that Jesus is this perfect example that he was perfectly obedient to the prompting and the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified. Well, we can continue on, but hold on one second. Um, it's interesting, at least to me, as I, as I read through this, that a report went out about him before his ministry even started. Okay, why did a report about him go out? Well, remember what took place um, just a few, or not even a few, just a chapter ago um, at his baptism. God spoke, the, the, the Father spoke, so it, it, the, the clouds were speaking Saying what this is my beloved son, which whom I am well pleased. So I, I look at this and I, I I see that okay there was an understanding of some sort that okay there was a report. Now I, I like this too. I like I love ambiguity sometimes. You know the muddiness of what um uh, of what we can see in scripture. It says a report. So it doesn't say it's a good report or a bad report. It says a report, but it then goes on to say that because of this report, he's being glorified. So we can, we can assume or we can gather that it was a good report that was going out about Jesus. It goes to say, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Nazareth is a town much like Atwater. It was a, a I'll say it, a hick town out in the middle of really nowhere. There wasn't a, a lot in, in Nazareth. Um, so we can be pretty, uh, we, we can relate to uh, Jesus in his upbringing because he, 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 he was much like what we are. You know, it probably had, you know we've got more cornfields and cow pastures than we do people around. Nazareth was a, a very rural I said it right. I always mess up that word. <laughs> ah, I should have stopped on the first one. <laughs> An out there city, town where there wasn't a lot of people. So everybody in Nazareth would know everybody else. It says, and as he and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up. And he stood up to read. I understand that as Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Sabbath day being Saturday, we're still Jewish law, so it's on Saturday. So he goes into the Sabbath as was his custom, and he stood up to read... Uh, Hear me when I say this. I I don't think it was his custom to go into the, the, at at this time, to go into the synagogue and stand up and read. It was his custom to go into the synagogue. Remember, we know that his parents were faithful and would take him to the synagogue every Saturday for, you know, like what we do, for, for, for church services. But there's something different this time when he goes in there. It says that he goes in there, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. It says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. N- notice, what, n- notice what Jesus did. So this, is, this would not be um, uh, uh, unusual. This, this would be normal. This is a normal practice of somebody uh, 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 standing up in the synagogue. And, okay, Bobby, it's your turn to read the, the, uh, the, the Bible to us today. So he gets up there and he, he reads this. So the, the, And it would be akin to, okay, just picking randomly. Okay, Bobby, I'm going to have you come up here and I want you to read this passage. Not ahead of time, hey, Bobby, pick a passage to read, and then I'm going to have you read with the passage in which you want to pick. It's okay, I'm just picking you, and then you're going to come up here and read this. Why is that important? Well, it's it's very important, because look what it says there in verse 21. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wait, okay, so, Jesus got up, he, he, he comes in there, and, and he stands up, and they hand him the scroll, and he unrolls it, and it's... He reads the, the, this passage from Isaiah, which was written um, 700 years before, maybe even 800 years before uh, Jesus came on scene. And the passage which he reads, let me read it one more time. The Spirit, and I'm gonna. When I read this, remember what Jesus just said. It's fulfilled um, in, in your hearing today. It's fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, so Jesus, he reads that, and then he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We can look at this and we can say, well, yeah, duh, that was Jesus, and he read that, and, and it's okay. It's even in red in my Bible. So, obviously, Jesus read it. We know that. But what is the importance of that? Well, the importance of that is these Jewish people, they have heard this passage many times by now. They have never, because what, they would, what we see would happen, but they have never heard this passage be read and say, um, that's me, Right? Can everybody see that? I know it doesn't say that in your Bible, but if there were, was a, if there were a, a parenthetical phrase, you know, a phrase with parentheses around it describing this text, it would say, um, this guy. Jesus is saying, this guy. You know, the one that they're talking about here, that's me. And look at their response. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So, so they, they, they heard this, and, and they looked, okay, so proclaim liberty and set the captives free and recovering sight to the blind and set, um, you know, liberty to those who are oppressed. And wow, this is some good stuff. We like this. Man, isn't that, isn't that Joseph's son, you know, the carpenter that made that table for you? I mean, isn't that his, ain't that his boy? And he said, Jesus says, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So Jesus, knowing that they're like, wow, this is really cool. Jesus says, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read your mail. Instead of looking at your reaction, I'm going to read your heart. What, what does your heart really say in here? Because he, he knows, he, say, he, he, he says, that, well, um, you've heard what I've done at Capernaum, now you want me to do it in my hometown. You, you heard of the miracles in which I've done it. We, we don't have um, those miracles in this account, so there's obviously something that has taken place up, up to uh, or before this. They, they know that there's something, that man, this, is, this, is, this guy's different, he's done some great things. It says here that he did those in Capernaum, and the only reason you're, you're being gracious now to me this is what Jesus is saying, the only reason you're being gracious now to me is you've heard what I'm able to do, and you want that done for you. So it's that mentality like, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? We have a really catchy phrase for this in the 21st century called consumer Christianity where we, we see and we, we um, dress things up like, oh, yes, I love Jesus, and, 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 and um, he, he's so great, and he's just done all these things, and okay, so since he's done all that, like, what can I get out of this? Jesus says, and he said, truly I say to you, no, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Uh, just as a side note, that's where I wanted to go because I, I, I always tried to figure out, okay, so how can I get in there? My my, um, it, It's because everybody has the, those people in their family that the, the, all they do is they bring up the past. And, and I always refer to this text exactly because people won't let you go get past your past. You've gotten past your past, but people won't let you get past your past. And, and that's, the, that's the line I was wanted to go today, but God said no. So, um, I even have it highlighted. See, I got highlighted in my Bible. I really wanted to do it, but it's all right. Um, but it says, But in truth, I tell you, Jesus says, In truth, I tell you, there, was many, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogues were filled with wrath. Okay, so for the, the maybe you're in here and you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. So I mean, what, what, what's the big deal here? Well, what, what Jesus is identifying here is uh, the, the widow and... Um, Naaman, the, the the Syrian, they were not children of Israel, they were they were they were Gentiles. Jesus is saying here, he's essentially coming on on scene here, and he's saying, um, "Well, you want me to do something because you want to see what's in it for you. Well, and what what you need to understand is God's big picture is beyond just you." Well, it was despisable to them to think that, well, God doesn't really care about other people other than, you know, us. We're children or we're sons of Abraham. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, but they think that just because, well, I was born into this family, so then I must be just a great person. And Jesus is very clear saying that's not how it is. That's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on this next few, these next few verses here. Because it says that they were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Let let me ask you this. By just nodding your head, um, did uh, Jesus' approval points... um, Increase after his explanation of, of God had cares more for, for more people than just the Israelites? No, no, no. His popularity and his approval rating um, plummeted. To the extent that it, it says that they, they, they brought him to the brow of the hill, and, uh, the, which the town was built on, they were going to throw him down. They were going to push him off the cliff... To his death. I, I love how it says, we don't know what this means other than it says, passing through their midst, he went away. I, I don't know if he, he had the, um, um, I, I'm, I'm not uh, a Lord of the Rings guy, but I, I've heard of the, the cloak. <laughs> what's what's the, the, the cloak where they, they throw the cloak on and he kind of, what's that? Yeah, I mean, did he have that? I mean, did he have a special kind of, I don't know. But it says that they were not successful in throwing him down over the cliff. I like this because it, this reminds me of the temptation. Didn't, didn't somebody just say, you know, a chapter, or not even a chapter ago, a few verses ago, that, that, well, if they throw you over the cliff, or if I throw you off the pinnacle of the temple, you know, you're not going to die. God will, well, the, the Father will send angels down to save you, right? Didn't Satan just tempt him with that? Here we have, like, these people were so peeved that they wanted him dead. These same people, moments earlier, were doing what? <laughs> I like that guy. Let's make him the mayor. R- 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 right? Do, do, you, do you see that? Like, like, when things were going well for them, man, they wanted to vote that dude in office. They wanted to give him uh, the, the, the seat where, well, yeah, he can represent us. He is the one that we're waiting for. But as soon as they heard something that they didn't like, they said, well, wait a second. Off with his head. Right? I mean, the, the, the situation tra- changed dramatically. We can, and if we we've been in church for a long time or any amount of time, we understand that this happens again when Jesus comes into to uh, into town on um, uh, uh, Palm Sunday, and they're they're singing Hos they're saying Hosanna, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a week later, there or less than a week later, they're killing him. What we can see here is human thought and human minds and humans' rationale uh, are, are very, um, I think I've used a word here before, fickle. Like, when things are going our way, God is good. I, I, and, and here, I don't want to step on, t- yeah, I do. But I, I, I want us to understand this. Is God good when things are going our way? Absolutely. But God is still as good when things are not going our way. And I get to think about just just with Ed laying in the hospital and everything going bad. Is it a bad thing that has happened? Yes. Is God still good? You better believe it. Even though we don't understand the, all the ramifications and everything that's going on right now, it do, does not diminish the, the infinite power and the magnitude and the majesty and the glory and the holiness and all those other attributes of God. Our situations do not define who God is. What we need to do is we need to let God define our situations. <laughs> You hear that? Let God define our situations. Too, too, too many times we get that reversed. My situation is going to define how God is, just like the, the people in, in this, this story here. Everything was good when we got something, but as soon as we didn't get something, it's not so good anymore. I think, as we read this, and we see that, that this is the, the, the main a message that, that, that Dr. Luke wanted to get across to Theophilus here. So if we're, we're looking at our certainties, you know, we write these certainties down, the certainty is that God defines. God defines, not us. And I'm going to leave that, that, that open. God defines what, Lee? Everything. Whatever it is, the situation in which you're in, the, the life in which you live, the job in which you have, the circumstances, or Whatever. God must define that, because God's the only one that doesn't change. If we if we look into this, and it's like, okay, wait a second, Leah, you've lost me. How does God define my situation? Well, God can only define your situation if He defines your life. I I um I heard a uh uh. A baseball, a professional baseball chaplain, say, uh, one time. And this chaplain was in um, ministry for a long time. He he actually was a pastor for years, and then he retired, and it was always one of his, you know, things that he wanted to do uh, It was to be a chaplain for a baseball team. Well, he um, got a, the job or whatever as a chaplain of the baseball team, and uh he, he was, it was uh, as he was sharing his his story here, um, he said that being in ministry for, I think it was like 30 some years, 40 years, whatever it was, long time, he said, I've never seen people as broken as Major League Baseball players when they get to the end of their career. And he said that, you know, it, it, it was just saddening and disheartening to me. I, I just, I felt so I felt so bad in the sense that what you have is you have these grown men who their whole entire life have been identified by baseball, and they get to the place in their career that they have to not be a baseball player anymore, and they don't know who they are. Their lives have been defined by what they do. Their lives haven't been defined by the God of the universe, and he says that encountering the brokenness, and he says that you don't hear about it a lot, but the suicide rate is pretty high with these ex or former athletes or whatever because they don't know who they are because their lives have been wrapped up in what they do, not by what's been done for them. And when I say what's been done for them, by what God has done. Too many times, I don't care, we find ourselves there. We want to define who we are by, the one, the situations in which we're in, or we want to define who we are by the things in which we've accomplished. And what we don't do is we don't put our eyes on the prize. We don't put our eyes on God and say, okay, God, who am I? Who, who, who do you say that I am? I, I, I know that, that there was a, a famous guy that said that one time, right? Jesus looked at his disciples and said, who do you say that I am? I know that these people say that I'm you know, the prophet or I'm a good teacher, I'm, a good, I'm all this other stuff, but who do you say that I am? If we sit here and we answer that question, who do you say that Jesus is, who do you say that God is, that's what's going to define your life. Because if we fall into the the, the 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 lie of well God you know God's just there and uh, he doesn't really care he he's the uh, uh, um, uh, they call it theism where like God he's the creator of everything he got everything in motion and then he just let it go and he's just kind of sitting back and letting everything happen well that's not a personal God that's not the God of the Bible it's not the God of the Bible that says that he steps in. It's not the God of the Bible that says that he receives and he hears the prayers of his children. If we're going to define who, who, who God is by, by, by that, if we're going, I should say, if we're going to define God, we've got a really bad definition of who God is. It's too many times that's what we want to do is like, I think this. Okay. You've heard me say this. I, I love this. Have you always 100% got everything Right. Shannon, have I always ever. <laughs> maybe once or twice I was wrong. So that, that disqualifies me for God. So maybe you could be mistaken, right? Well, why would we not want to go to the, the, the words that were breathed out by God to see who He is? So if we're going to be these people and we're going to hear these words, remember that the people like this, the, 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 they, they heard these words and they were like, yes, yes. And they're like, well, wait a second. Those captives are being set free. The, 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 the poor that the, the he's talking about, the blind, you mean they're not just Jewish people? They're not just our people? You want other people here too? That's absurd. But, but when we understand that God's a God of all nations, God wants to, uh, us to understand that does he care about you? You better believe that he cares about you and the person beside you, and the other person beside them, and the person beside them. Even if you don't care about somebody, he still does. Don't let you're, and I understand that it's difficult sometimes, but don't let your mindset determine who God is. Let God be God. Because when we determine who God is, what we do is we put him in a nice little box. And what happens is, when we get into situations in our life, if the situation in our life doesn't line up with the God in which we put in, put into that box, our lives just explode. We have no hope. Now, don't put God in a box. Understand that He's the God of the Bible, not the God of the box. We don't crank the crank. I I just got that image of Buddy on Elf, right? but that's us, right? We put God in the box and we start cranking and we don't, I don't know when he's going to pop up. Don't don't pop up right now. You don't want to see me like this, God. Oh, no. Oh, boom. And there it is. No, he's the God of the book, not the God of, of the box. Understand that if we want to know the God of the book, that we need to be in the book, we need to understand that the book needs to be in us. So when we hear truths like this and we see that when Jesus speaks and and his words are received, the words that that are spoken and the words that are received are are, are not, you guys are going to cringe, are not necessarily for you or for me. They're for him. I've said this a, a, a few times, and I don't know if anybody has really heard this. Maybe some of you have. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life." Understand that. (laughs) This going some of you are going to be poof. Understand that Jesus didn't die for you; He died for Him. That you're not most important. That the, the, the world doesn't revolve around you? That is not something they will, that's very discouragingly. No, that is liberating. We still, we still reap the rewards and the benefit and the huge blessing and the glory to come because Jesus died. But Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of, of God the Father. And because he did that, we get to bask in in, in his glory. Why is that so vitally important? Because what happens is when we understand that, that doesn't mean that we're any less. What that means is that takes the weight off our shoulders in trying to be the one who sits on the throne. Jesus came to die for you. Yes, but... You and I, we share in that. But he came to die because the penalty for sin, the righteous atonement could only be fulfilled by himself. In Romans, I think it's Romans chapter 3, it says he's not only the just, he's the justifier. He's not only the, 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 the judge who, who proclaims or, or hammers down the, 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 the gavel and says guilty, he's the one who st- takes off his robe and comes around and pays the penalty. So if we're going to try to define ourselves by who God says that, that, that we are, we have to understand who God is. God's the Almighty. God's the one in control. Does God care about us? You better believe God cares about us. That's why we're in the palm of his hand. Don't let your situations and don't let um, the things that happen in your life define who God is. Let God define your life. Even if it's as, as bleak as what we're facing right now with, with, you know, one of our brothers. That doesn't define who God is. It just means that, man, we got we to gotta pray harder. We, we, we've got to get in there and say, okay, God, this is what you said. This is what we're going to do. Let's bow. When, as I as I said that 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 last piece there about, you know, Jesus died not for you but for him himself, don't take that, like these people that we just talked about, and here, well, Jesus died, oh, yes, and then when I just gave you that truth, you're like, well, let's get him to the hill and throw him off, because the truth is still the same. It says that there's no other name under heaven or on earth that one can be saved, no other name other than the name of Jesus. It says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, Every tongue will confess he is Lord. It it, it says that that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that that, that Jesus um, is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Don't try to figure out all the theological implications and all that crazy stuff that, 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 well, wait a second, you just said that Jesus didn't die for me. What I want you to get out of that is I want you to understand that you're not, I'm not, We are not the center of the universe. He is. And when he is, he defines our life. So then our situations can be defined by him, not our situations define him. What we're going to do, we've got plenty of time left. I I, I want to, um, we're going to do the old-fashioned altar call if you want to come up and pray. Um, we, we do. We, we've got a, a, a brother of ours who is facing the end of his life um, right now as he, as he lays in, in a hospital bed. Um, and he's in God's hands. What we can do, and, and, and none of us in here has, has the magic touch, but what we can do is we can pray for him. Because it says in his word that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that mean in our understanding? It means the prayer of a righteous person has much power in its working. Prayer works. I mean, you guys know, we got, a, 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 we got many who have seen that happen. Man, we got, we got my, my dad sitting back here. He, he's a perfect example of that. And, and that's what I was thinking about, you know. We're, we're at Akron City, and um, just a couple doors down from where, where my dad was, was, was laid and said, well, he's got less than 1% chance to live, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And now he's as annoying as ever <laughs> as he sits here. <laughs> no but he's with us. Why? Because we prayed. Is it God's will to to heal Ed? You know what? That's up to God, but it's up to us to pray. So don't let this bad situation define how good God is. God is still good. And we need to pray. So, what we're gonna do is, we're gonna, like I said, open this up. We're gonna come. We're gonna, if you wanna come, you wanna pray, fantastic. I, I know that the, um, uh, Dan will come, is gonna be up here. And um, if you want prayed with, and there'll be others that can, I don't know, whoever wants to pray, come pray. If you wanna pray with, let's do it. I, I, just, I just want to do everything that we can do to be obedient in situations like this. I want to enter into the throne room, like we talked about last week, with confidence. Our Father, God, in heaven, we thank you. God, we love you. Lord, we don't understand everything. Lord, we, we hear your words and we see your truths and, and, and we practice your, your, your religion, your, your faith in what you've given us. But there's times that it becomes become so personal that we don't understand how to do it. And in those moments, God, I, I pray that we can just press into you. So, God, in the next few minutes, as we sit in our seats or as we kneel at the altar or as we stand in worship or as whatever we do, God, let our hearts just line up with your heart to see your name glorified. God, we want to see big things. But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.